0: Visit myflexlearning.com backslash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the B Podcast Network where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hi hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 136 of the Defecto Leaders podcast. I have been doing a lot of guest interviews lately, so I wanted to bring you a solo episode today. So today, I am going to share a clip from my free online training, Called How to Be Evidence Based and Neurodiversity Affirming by Supporting Executive Functioning. So, the clip of this training I'm going to show you today is the part of the presentation where I talk about the relationship between time blindness and anxiety. And specifically, I wanted to answer the question of why things like timers, especially if they're digital, do not help to improve kids' time management skills and why kids often show resistance and anxiety towards certain tasks, even though we're giving them things like rewards and using behavior management systems. So a lot of times people in the schools will think that they're working on executive functioning, but they're only doing a portion of what they need to be doing. They're really only covering the tip of the iceberg. Supporting executive functioning goes way beyond giving kids a timer or an organizer. There's a lot more to it. And that's because a lot of the things that we're working on are internal mental processes. So when we think about anxiety and our ability to sense the passage of time, as well as estimate how long things will take, this plays into our ability to plan ahead, see the future, envision ourselves being successful, and manage anxiety when we're doing something that might be challenging or unfamiliar so it's really important that people working with kids understand this relationship whether it be parents who are supporting their kids in the home environment whether it's therapists who are coaching teachers and parents and working directly with kids or whether it's the teachers and other people who are interacting with kids during the school day so to see the full version of this training you're going to want to go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash efleadership. There you'll be able to register for the full webinar. It's about 90 minutes long, but today I wanted to just share the clip where I talk about the relationship between time blindness and anxiety. So I hope you enjoy it, and please let me know if you have any questions. If you have specific questions about this training, you can email me at Talk to me at drkarenspeech.com. And again, if you want to see the full training, go to drkarendudekbrandoncom backslash EF Leadership. The first clip of the training that I'm going to share is is a list of common challenges that I hear from my readers that are tied to executive functioning. I'm gonna go through a number of different behaviors and things that often come up for my readers. And I want you just to type yes in the comment box if any of these sound familiar or if you are working with kids who are presenting with any of these things. So obviously this is a big one, attention issues. So maybe you notice that some kids hyper-focus on certain interests. Maybe they have the opposite at other points in time where they show inattentive behaviors, they're not on task, Um, they're off task when they're supposed to be doing their work. Additionally, you might be working with kids who have some learning differences and need some additional supports. So you're finding that across areas they're having difficulty problem solving or inferencing. This could be during reading comprehension, or it could be during just day-to-day tasks, like getting their things together, or even just figuring out how to navigate different situations during the day. Maybe they seem like they don't learn from past mistakes. So they do one thing one day, you have a talk with them, and then the next day you find that they're repeating the same behavior that you just discussed with them. Overall, they have poor generalization. So They might learn one skill in one setting or appear to have learned it or appear to at least understand what you're saying, but they're not generalizing to other situations. On top of that, you may have students who are showing different behaviors. Maybe they're getting referred to you for behavior problems or they have some kind of behavioral intervention plan. You find that the emotional reactions that they're showing don't seem to fit the situation, so maybe they get more upset than you'd expect based on this scenario, and you may see that they have anxiety about new situations. They tend to avoid things, refuse things, or they show behaviors that most people would describe as defiant behaviors. So maybe in their classroom, they are trying to avoid work that they have to do, and they try to get out of it. Maybe parents in the home setting are saying that they're refusing to do homework chores, those kinds of things. Additionally, maybe you're seeing some things, time management or being organized. So you have those students who miss assignments and deadlines or lose track of their things. This could be school things. This could be other belongings in their day-to-day lives. Maybe parents are reporting that they're kind of leaving things all over the house and they never know where their sports equipment are and things like that. They seem to have a poor sense of time and poor time management, whether it means that they take longer than expected to do things that you don't think should take them that long, or they have a difficult time estimating how long things will take. So as a result, they may get very nervous about things when they're just a really simple thing that they need to do, or they might wait till the very last minute and not get things done on time maybe even during activities, they seem to be unaware of time and unable to adjust to make sure that they get things done on time or to make sure that they're on track. And then in our final cluster of skills, you may have students that are showing issues in what we would typically consider social skills. So maybe when their peers are having a conversation, they're not participating. Maybe they're sitting off by themselves. Um, maybe they're, you know, playing on their phone or doing something on their own, or maybe they're doing the opposite and they're blurting things out. When most people know that it's not the time to be talking, this could be during class or it could be during unstructured conversations, maybe their responses appear to be off topic and not related to the conversation that's going on, or maybe they're making comments about things that people were talking about five minutes ago and they're not fully following the conversation. Or maybe they're dominating the conversation or doing what's often referred to as info dumping, where they're talking about a topic that they're really interested in and they're just talking and talking and not really paying attention to whether their conversation partner seems interested and maybe they're not engaging in that back and forth where they're making comments and asking questions. They're just kind of sharing a lot of information. Maybe you're seeing that they have difficult time interpreting situations or others' actions or intentions, and they also may have difficulty interpreting how they're coming across to others. So maybe they're getting very upset in certain social situations, and it's causing them issues with maintaining friendships Or even engaging with different authority figures in their lives, like coaches, teachers, parents, siblings. So let me know in the chat. Does this sound familiar? Are you working with kids? who are showing some of these things, or maybe you have one child who is doing all of these things. So I wanted to clarify that those behaviors that I just mentioned do not mean that someone is lazy, that someone is unintelligent, even if they might be struggling with certain academic areas that we typically assume to be related to intelligence. It also does not mean that they're incapable of improving in those areas, even though some of those things that I mentioned seem to come naturally to some people and seem to be things that most people learn intuitively. Just because they may be struggling to form friendships and relationships does not mean that they are unconcerned about friendships, that they don't want them, or that they lack empathy, even though the way that they are responding and interacting with others may seem like they aren't really concerned about others' feelings. So I wanted to clarify all of those things before we move on because they are frequently misinterpreted. If you have kids who are experiencing those things, there is a good chance that they are experiencing executive functioning challenges. And the reason that people misinterpret them is because... They don't fully understand what executive functioning is and how all-encompassing it can be and the impact it can have on someone's life. How we want to think about this is that they are skills, they are not personality traits. So if they are skills, that means that they can be changed, they can be learned with the right supports and intervention. There may be certain things that are related to genetics that are causing them to present with that profile to begin with. We do have to consider their neurological profile, but again, it does not mean that it is something that can't be changed. It simply means that because of the way their brain works, the way that they learn those skills and the way that they can be successful may be different from other people. Because many of the things that I just mentioned are things that some people learn without having to be directly taught. And that may not be the case or someone who is presenting with executive functioning challenges. In this next clip, I talk about five skills that can help us to understand how we might start to work on executive functioning. So time perception would be our ability to sense the passage of time, both when we're thinking ahead in the future and estimating how long something will take, and while we're doing something. Then we have our ability to engage in self-talk. So we talk to ourselves when we're planning, when we are doing a task and we are encouraging ourselves to look around and pay attention and persist through something that might be difficult. And then we talk to ourselves afterwards to self reflect. We also engage in future pacing. So thinking ahead into the future and thinking about what's going to happen, what we can expect, or we might think back from a goal and think, Here's where I'm going. Here's what I need to do in order to get there. And in order to engage in future pacing, we need to have effective time perception and self-talk. We also have episodic memory. So our ability to visually think about things that happened in the past, like a mental picture of an experience that we've had, and then take that information and apply it to the future so future pacing is thinking into the future and episodic memory is thinking back from the past so you can kind of see these two things go together and then we have encoding so encoding is used in a lot of different ways but what i am talking about here is our ability to pair visuals to language so we have to be able to think about how something looks visually to picture ourselves doing something but also be able to encode that into words. And that's what enables us to use things like lists for planning. If we don't have that skill of being able to encode, then all those lists that we're using are not going to be meaningful to us. We have to be able to go back and forth between that visualization And language. One of the things that can really help us to understand the importance of executive functioning as a protective factor and as a tool for building resilience is its relationship to anxiety. So it can be difficult to tell whether or not someone is experiencing executive dysfunction because they are anxious and dysregulated or if they are anxious because they are experiencing executive dysfunction but regardless of the cause it is still a protective factor to support kids executive functioning this is one of those cyclical things where if you intervene with proactive protective strategies it can support mental health and resilience even if we're not 100 certain if the anxiety is resulting from executive dysfunction Or if it is due to other things. One of the ways that we can start to understand this relationship is to understand time perception and how it relates to executive functioning challenges. So, if we have strong executive functioning and someone tells us a certain length of time or even gives us a task and we understand how long it might take, then We get a sense for what that unit of time means in reality. We can visually feel it, sense it, get an idea of how long we're going to be doing that task. You may even picture 15 minutes on a clock. You have a sense for what that means. Or maybe you might think of your Google Calendar and think of that block of time that shows what 15 minutes is. In addition to these visuals, you may have those past experiences to draw on, where you can get an even deeper sense of what that means and how long you're going to have to sustain that effort and how effortful the task is going to feel. Part of this has to do with our ability to engage in strategic planning And part of it has to do with just our overall sense of time. But if you have weak executive functioning, that sense of time is going to be vague. Not only is the sense of what 15 minutes means, if we see the number 15, or if someone tells us that something is going to take 15 minutes, it might seem kind of vague. We may either minimize what that means and not give ourselves enough time, or we might inflate it. And we might take that 15 minutes, especially if it's something that we don't want to do, and it might seem way bigger than it actually is. So, if you see that Google Calendar that I've got in the bottom of the screen there, instead of thinking that 15 minutes is that little time block there and just being able to talk ourselves through, just getting started so we can be done, we may inflate it to think that it's way longer than it actually is. And that may cause that anxiety and avoidance because we are thinking that the task is going to be more overwhelming and challenging than it actually is. We may have a difficult time seeing ourselves be successful, pulling from past experiences to be able to utilize our self-talk and encourage ourselves, talk ourselves through the task, or just know what steps to take and how to initiate. Then that task is going to seem way more overwhelming. And then if we do get started with the task, It's going to be difficult for us to pay attention to the time while we're doing the task so we can shift and adjust as needed. Not being able to see the end goal and the steps to get there can also be something that impacts how we feel about the task that lays ahead of us, how vivid it feels to us, whether or not it feels unfamiliar, and attainable, if it seems similar to a past experience that we might have had, And we can talk ourselves through and encourage ourselves to find evidence that we can be successful in the future. So this is what challenging tasks look like to people with strong executive functioning. Yes, it does seem like there might be some challenges ahead of us, but at least the steps to take are clear and we can see where we're going. So while we might experience some discomfort, we might be a little bit nervous, we can get ourselves through it. It feels manageable. But things might seem much less clear if you have executive functioning challenges. The steps to take might seem unclear and the end goal might be a little bit vague. So the experience overall just seems unfamiliar and it's pretty normal to feel uncomfortable and nervous about something if we don't know what to expect. But this might be amplified if someone is experiencing executive dysfunction, because not only do they not know what to expect, they may have a difficult time with the self-talk and self-regulation piece. So when that anxiety occurs, they have a more difficult time. With managing it. And so whether the anxiety is a symptom or a cause, it still makes sense to support these skills. Because if someone is experiencing anxiety because of executive dysfunction, and we teach them skills that are going to improve their ability to plan and improve their sense of time, well, that's going to minimize their anxiety because they're going to be able to see and feel and believe that they can be successful and see the path ahead of them. And if we have a person who's experiencing anxiety, that planning and those skills that help them plan ahead and really get a sense for how long the effort will be and how difficult the task will be will also be proactive things that can help them prepare for and manage anxiety. I don't know about you, but when I'm anxious about something, it does make me feel better when I front load and I plan. In this final clip that I'm going to share, I talk about the relationship between time blindness, executive functioning, and anxiety, as well as how this can tie in to behavioral supports and some common classroom management strategies that are often done. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about service delivery model and where there are some points of confusion. And this is one of the mistakes that multidisciplinary teams often make. So, Obviously, there is a place for kids to have a safe place to talk, an adult that is providing a safe space for them. There's certainly a place for therapy to be delivered in a pullout setting, but pullout therapy that is addressing things like talking through your feelings and processing your emotions does not build executive functioning skills. I'm not saying that there's no place for it but it is not something that is going to support executive functioning across settings. Now, as I said, if there are things that they need to talk through with that therapist, then there could be some situations where that could be beneficial. But if a child is experiencing anxiety due to executive dysfunction and they're sitting in therapy talking about their feelings, that's not going to teach them to engage in the internal self-talk that they need to plan, it's not going to build their ability to future pace and think ahead, it's not going to build their episodic memory, nor is it going to support their time perception or help them encode those things they're visualizing into language. So if they're experiencing anxiety because they're getting stuck on multi-step tasks or they're feeling really nervous about certain situations because they can't plan ahead or visualize, they're not going to be able to articulate that in therapy. They might not even have the language to explain how they're feeling and all those different emotions and sensations that they're feeling as they're getting dysregulated. So when they're asked things like, how does that make you feel? We're asking them to explain things that many adults don't even fully understand because what we're doing is, asking a child with a brain that is still developing to explain really complex mental processes and asking a child with a developing brain to explain behavioral and emotional responses that most adults don't fully understand is a tall order. Because let's say that you've gone to therapy and you've processed some past experiences, but you don't have any tools to support your ability to sense time or engage in strategic planning or visualization And so you leave the therapy room, and maybe you've talked about your feelings. Maybe you're feeling a little bit better, but then you still have to go out into the world and navigate all those unfamiliar situations, and you don't have the tools and support to do so. This brings me to the next point, which is often tied in with anxiety and those big emotional responses that we often see in kids. So many times, when kids are having emotional outbursts, therapy is one thing that people will try. And then we also see a lot of these reinforcement charts, behavior charts, things like that. So we might be talking about it in therapy. And then when kids go into their classroom, they might get a behavior chart. And many times people that are working in the schools or or parents or other therapists that are working with the kids, are seeing that those behavior problems are persisting. Kids are still struggling to self-regulate across the day, even though they are being given rewards. There might not be good generalization, even if we talk through certain things in therapy. Sometimes the tools being used when kids go out into their day are often not effectively addressing executive functioning. So you can see here that when we are sending kids to therapy and then we're they're coming back into their classroom and they have a behavior chart, we're almost on the right track where we're thinking these kids need some support, they need some kind of a tool when they come into their classroom, but there's a disconnect. So let's think about what needs to happen in order for us to motivate ourselves. So this is what adults do when they are engaging in self-discipline and self-regulation, and they are motivating themselves to do something that is not something that they prefer to do, or maybe that's challenging and requires a lot of steps and effort. So first, what they need to do is they need to be able to envision the end goal, the desired outcome, the potential reward. This ties in with those future thinking skills. They need to consider choices, options, and consequences. This can tie into things like procedural fluency also engages future thinking and then also requires us to engage our episodic memory to think about what we've learned from the past. They have to visualize those steps, estimate how long it will take. They have to think about the potential obstacles and contingencies. Again, fluency and shifting, those types of skills, they have to generate options, which is fluency, and then they have to encode the steps into language. So not only are they visualizing and seeing themselves, We often have to use language to describe what steps we're doing. Sometimes they might even write it down. If you have something that requires you to do multiple steps, you might use a list as a strategy to keep you on track. Then we have to initiate the first step, evaluate our progress, and then we have to watch the time while we're doing it. And then throughout the process, Through things like self-talk and visualization, we have to remind ourselves about the rewarding outcome, the choices and the consequences, all those things that we thought of at the beginning. We continually are reminding ourselves of those things as we're going through this process. Kids who are experiencing executive dysfunction are going to be more prone to avoid things because they can't use this process to motivate themselves. And they're going to be more likely to choose things that... Give them that immediate gratification, because again, the process of internal motivation is tied in with delayed gratification. So now let's think about what a behavior chart is doing. Well, a behavior chart does not give any reminder or does not give any cue to help envision those goals, those steps, or considering those choices, all of which are necessary in order for us to motivate and move ourselves forward the consequences and rewards seem abstract. Those stickers might not mean something to kids. So part of the encoding process does have to do with symbolic representation. And so the reason that sticker charts might be motivating to some people is because we can take that sticker and visualize what that means. We might be able to make an association between that sticker and the reward at the end of the day that we're working towards. But If we struggle with executive functioning, that process of pairing those two things together is going to be abstract, and so those stickers aren't going to be that motivating for us. In addition, there's not any support with considering the obstacles and options we might have. What if we get stuck? A lot of times kids are getting stuck along the way, and that's why they're not on task, and they're not getting any support. So if they are refusing to do something because they're frustrated and they can't tell you where exactly they got stuck, that behavior chart that promises them a reward at the end of the day is not going to be helpful. It also does not help with that self-regulation, the shifting, the self-talk. There's not any visual that's giving them a tool to build time perception. They don't really have that experience of moving through a non-preferred task or a learning curve because they haven't gone through all the steps. You might be giving them the reward on their behavior chart right now, which is within their time horizon, which is within the time frame that they can sense. But if the real reward happens later on in the day, then again, that sticker isn't meaningful for them because the actual reward isn't happening until way later. Thank you so much for listening again if you want to check out the full training go to dr backslash EF leadership In this training I reveal why kids continue to experience anxiety or behavioral challenges even though they're going to therapy or have a behavior plan. Common mistakes multidisciplinary teams make, when teaching executive functioning and why lists, planners, and behavior charts often aren't working, as well as why kids continue to struggle with problem-solving and friendships, even though they're going to therapy and social skills groups. So to check out the full training, go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash EFleadership. As always, it helps me so much if you share these episodes with your friends or colleagues, if you found them helpful. If you rate and review the DeFacto Leaders podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and finally, if you're interested in being on the show, or if you know someone that would be a great guest for the show, please email me at talktome at Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time.